one second period of play now nicely underway. Halford and Brush show they're off this week. They're back next week. I'm Brooke. Josh Elliott Wolf here to ride shotgun. Got some Vancouver Giants hockey to talk about in just a moment. Mr. Elliott Wolf. Uh, this hour of Halford and Bruff brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com today. And also brought to you by the Delory fam- family of Acura dealers. Experience the, De- the Delory difference today. Visit your nearest Delory Acura dealer today. And also, we're coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? <laughs> what are you waiting for? you got to get to Kintech. All those sponsors, because that's what it costs us to pay Adam Maglio to join us, the assistant coach for the Vancouver Giants. Hi, Adam. How you doing, pal? Hey, how are you? Checks in the mail. Do you need some Kintech? We can hook you up. <laughs> We've got orthotics. That's awesome. It's a giant sponsor too, Kid Tech too, so we could hook you up in there. We'll get Dale Sipe and all these guys on this. I I know people, so thanks, Adam. Perfect. Perfect. No problem. Merry Christmas. Uh, 4-2. 4-2 lost last night. What did you think of that game? It was, I guess, the power play more than anything. Three goals against on the power play. That Victoria man advantage was cooking last night. Yeah, uh, to be honest, it was one of our better games, uh, five on five, so... Uh, we we liked the way the group played. Uh, I thought we uh, we had we had buy-in from uh, from our you know all lines were were kind of going last night, so it was really good. At, but it, it did come down to special teams. So uh, you know they get three on the power play, and uh, we go for six. Um, so that was really uh, the story of the game. Yeah, that and the power play too. They cooked early, didn't they? They were scoring like within the first thirty seconds or so, at least on a yeah, couple. Of them, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one off the rush uh, right away, which was their first one. So, yeah, it was just one of those nights. I thought, uh, you know, I, I thought we weren't as sharp as we usually were, uh, for sure. So, um, but obviously, we're going to build off some positives from last night because. Uh, we did really like our uh, our even strength game. Uh, the line of Halliburta, Lipinski, and Thorpe got uh, the two goals last night. What is making that line work at the moment? Well, they all bring something a little bit different. Uh, I think, you know, Thorpe's got size. Uh, he competes extremely hard. Halliburta's got speed uh, and finish. And then Lipinski's kind of your, your 200-foot centerman, uh, very good on face-offs, uh, very good down low possessing the puck. So I think they all bring a little bit of something different, and uh, the chemistry is working for them right now. Uh, with how they're playing, obviously, Lipinski uh, drafted in the fourth round to the Flames last year, but could you see Halberta and Thorpe maybe uh, getting some looks in their, their second year of eligibility here if they if they keep playing like this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they were, uh, you know, they were on the draft list last year, uh, eligible again this year so I could I could certainly see it uh, especially the way they're playing they're making a good case right now talking to Punch McLean up in the press box and he was looking down I don't know if he knows everybody's names Adam but he looked down and said that number 22 who is Tyler Thorpe he said that yeah. number 22 keep an eye on him he is going to play in the NHL one day yeah oh that's a great compliment I mean, Thorpe, uh, you know, six foot four, six foot five player, like he, and he can skate. 
and he can finish. So, uh, and, and, you know, I think he's getting a little more consistent with his physicality because uh, he can be that big power forward on the ice. So uh, I could, I definitely could see that. I mean, he stands out, especially, you know, even when we're going through film, he's a guy that certainly stands out uh, in a lot of positive ways. So um, he's got to keep going. He's got to, you know, I think get, even stronger, a little bit bigger, and uh, continue to play to that identity of a, of a big power forward. And uh, certainly he'll have a chance. Got off to a great start this year. A lot of goals early. Got his 15th yeah. of the year last night, too. So on pace for 30 as well, Adam. Last year, first half of last season, I didn't know much about Tyler Thorpe. And he was, he was, he was playing, but he, he wasn't a difference maker. Second half last year, I really mm-hmm. thought he started to take off. I thought he took off. What do you see in his game even into this year that you would look and say, what has changed in his game? Because he really got on the radar and got an invite to Ottawa camp this yeah. year too. Well, you know, a unique kind of story, like I, I believe two years ago, uh, he was playing in, in Junior B. Uh, and I believe four years ago, he actually took the year off of hockey. So, um he started, he's a late bloomer, uh, started in, uh, in Langley last year. Uh, and then, you know, we signed him kind of in October, November. Uh, and it was a big adjustment for him. I think just coming to the league and the expectations of, of you know, what it takes, the travel, the practices, uh, you know, everything that goes along with it. And his game just kept getting better and better. And then over the summer, he really committed to it. So, uh, put on about 10 pounds of muscle, kind of, you know, had his first summer of real training, to be honest, and uh, showed up in camp in great shape. So we knew he set himself up for, for a really good year. And like you said, he got off to that hot start and uh, uh, he's starting to find it again here of late. So uh, a really good story. Uh, one guy not with the team right now, Sam Hanzik at the World Juniors playing for Slovakia. Has a couple goals. I'm sure you guys are keeping an eye on him. What have you thought of uh, his tournament so far and uh, how he's looking in uh, with the Giants as well? Yeah, I to be honest, I haven't been able to watch uh, many of his games here, um, but I've, I've seen some highlights. So I know, uh, I know that you have him at the bumper on the power play, so uh, a little bit... Uh, different spot for him and I saw you know saw one of his goals so it was great to see him kind of adjust to uh, you know where he's playing there on the power play I know uh, his goals are happening around the net uh, and that Samuel such a big body such a impactful player when he's on the ice especially with us so I also know talking with with Sam that the Slovaks are supposed to have a good team this year so it's great to see him having success there uh, and we're going to welcome him back with open arms when uh, when the tournament's done for him. What a difference he made for you guys, huh? coming off injury, mm-hmm. just immediate. It was re- like the whole team got faster, immediate impact. Everyone started sniping. Yeah. You could see the whole team got lifted more confidence when he came into the lineup. Yeah, big time. I think one thing that, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes, what Samuel does for, for the group. So there, he brings a real swagger, real confidence in that dressing room. Uh, and he's a real competitor. Like um, he wants to win hockey games. He uh, he brings guys into the fight. He makes players around him better. Uh, you know that's why he's our captain. So 
I think, uh, you know, when he returned, there was, uh, there was a real boost for the group. Uh, but he also settles that group down, you know, whether it's day-to-day in practice, between periods and games. Uh, he's very influential in that room. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be, like I said, welcome back here uh, in, in a big way when their tournament's done. What's the goal? What's the goal right now for your hockey club, Adam? Well, we we our goal is to make the playoffs. I mean, that's been uh, that's been said many times. So, uh, but outside of the wins and losses, like our goal is really to uh, to develop our our group, and uh, we have some inexperience right this year, especially uh, with lots of our nineteen-year-olds. You know, Samuel being one, uh, not being in in the lineup due to injury. Um, so we've had young players play in a little bit different roles, uh, which is great, and that's a great thing. Um, but our, you know, like I said, our goal is to make the playoffs, but it's also to to take care of the development of this young group because it it is a special young group. There's there's a lot of talent uh, coming through, uh, but they have to learn, you know, how to play the right way night to night. And uh, you know we gotta we gotta keep tabs on that and make sure we're doing it the right way with them. So uh, we gotta balance it too. Um, but certainly uh, we're we're looking ahead, and we need to. I think with development comes winning and comes some playoff experience. So uh, certainly we got our eyes set on that as well. Sitting in a playoff position now, Edmonton coming in tomorrow night. Uh, best of luck against the Oil Kings. Don't think we've seen them here in Vancouver in a while, but we'll see them tomorrow night. We'll see you too, Adam. Thank you so much, my friend, and best of luck tomorrow. Yeah, no problem. Take care, guys. We Thanks shall do. Man. Shall they get those Kintec orthotics to you as well? Everything's going to make things feel better even tomorrow. So. There's Adam Maglio. He's the assistant coach of the Vancouver Giants. Edmonton in town tomorrow. Edmonton's uh, rocking the bottom of the East with a 10, 20, and 1 record. One more home game for the Giants. They had a few home games of late before and now after the break. And then they're off on a road trip and a lot of a lot of uh, time on the Iron Lung. Have you ever been on the Iron Lung before? Have you been on a road trip, Josh? Like I that? have uh, I have not. No. I Thankfully, used to, I think. I thought you were going to ask him if he's ever been in an Iron yeah, Lung. Yeah, that's what I was like. I was like nope. where, where are we going with this? No, the Iron <laughs> Lung. The bus. The Iron Lung. I, I have a bus to... story that involves Adam Maglio. You? I was, I was telling uh, A-Dog before the show. Hit me. So he used to coach the Prince George Spruce Kings. He was the head coach in the BCHL. And I was broadcasting for the Surrey Eagles at the time. And it was a second round series of the playoffs. Eagles versus Spruce Kings. And Eagles had a 3-2 lead at home. Couldn't close out the series. We had to pack up that night, head back to Prince George for Game 7 from Surrey to Prince George overnight the Ouch. next day where the Eagles promptly lost that one as well. So oh. thank you, Adam Maglio, for probably the worst travel sports experience of my life. But it was good for him because <laughs> they got to go to the Fred Page Cup. <laughs> it was a great experience, though, that you have. But, yes. yeah, that's a long bus ride there and home as well. Uh, when I was with the Vancouver Canadians years ago, we flew. We were AAA, so oh, we wow. flew. So, oh no, it's the greatest. Lucky. Rarely yeah. a, rarely a. Uh, the only time we'd we'd bus actually is if we were in Edmonton and then we were going to play in Calgary the next series. We would bus to Calgary. So three and a half, four hours. The so. life of luxury. Oh yeah. Oh wow. yeah. So yeah, we flew. Co- you know, coach though. Come on, man. It wasn't a charter, but still, we flew everywhere, which was great. 
But uh, it was just neat, frankly, to have that experience around all these players, AAA guys and some mm-hmm. big league players who'd come down too and just see the mannerisms and how you fly. Not flying like the Canucks where you have four rows to yourself and four flight attendants to each row. And, you know, you're fed, you're food, you park your car outside the plane, you walk in at the South Tournament and you get on the plane. You don't have to worry about customs. It's done at the rink. Someone drives your car away. They bring your car back to you in the winter, and the car's idling already sitting right. I mean, this is elite stuff. You're, the car's idling ready for you. You walk off the plane. You get in the car. That's how how do you I, leave that lifestyle? Oh, man. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, what they, yeah. that's what they do at the big leagues. with the. That's why when wow. people say with the NHL guys a lot, oh, the travel and we're tired, I'm like, come on, man. You, you know. I mean, us guys, if we're flying somewhere four or five hours, you're stuck in the middle seat. You're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Your chair barely reclined. Someone's playing the drums on the tray behind you. These guys are like, you could sleep for four hours if you wanted to very comfortably, and then you go play hot. The travel and the games, and we're tired. I just don't want to hear it. But anyway, that was my AAA story. These are elite athletes, Brooke. Yes, I know. They should. <laughs> I know. The pampering. But anyway, that was the experience of traveling with Real Cool. And with the Giants, I took a couple bus rides with them short. But it was just neat seeing how mm. those guys at that age handled themselves as professional. Like they're, they're, no one was throwing water balloons around the bus in the WHL and all this stuff. It was totally pro. So it was a really cool experience. So mm-hmm. you had to be there. Could okay. we pose Laddie's question now to the That's listener? That's where we're going. I've been thinking about it nonstop since you asked me. <laughs> That's where we're going. Before the show started. That's where we're going. Laddie's got something cooking in between the ears. Yeah. And so well, it, I, I got it from social media, but I, I kind of turned it into a Canucks-related question. And I, I'm not a Canucks fan, so I wanted to hear Andy's take and, and your guys' take and all the listeners' takes. Uh, the question was, so it was, I'll, I'll change it to the Canucks version. But You're it, not a Canuck fan, though, you just said. So that no. leaps out at me. Well, I grew up in Ontario. Okay. So I didn't grow up as a... Who you? I'm, I'm not a Leafs fan. I put that out there. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> you keep going, but who were you a fan of? Uh, I, I grew up a Marty Broder fan. So I like New Jersey. Okay. My, my parents were both Habs and Leafs fans. Like my mom was a Leafs fan. My dad was a Habs fan. So I didn't want to pick a side in so that fight. So you went to Jersey. So I went to Jersey. To and I, okay. I'm not really a huge fan of them now. I just like different okay. goalies and stuff. But anyway, my question, <laughs> getting off topic here. Uh, if you could have the Canucks win the Stanley Cup this season... But it means they do not win guaranteed for the next 50 years at least. Do you press that button to make it happen? And I want to know where the Canucks fans sit on this one. Yeah, so get your text in 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. I said yes in a heartbeat and so did Josh. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even have to think about it. Really? Yeah. That surprised me. Laddie was surprised by this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if I only see the Canucks win a single cup in my entire lifetime, I would still be fine with that. Yeah. Just give me one. Give me one. And you'd be okay with 50 for. years of futility yeah. after well, that Well, I've had 40 so far. So I know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, give me the one. And it's been terrible. And you want that again? <laughs> if it means, yeah. Yeah, because then honestly, I'll just think back to the one. Exactly. Like, if, if in my lifetime, if I had seen a Canucks Cup win, whether it was in 94 or 2011, I wasn't alive in 82, uh, but if it was 94 or 2011, my mindset with this team would be completely different than it is right now, as I think it would be with a lot of listeners. If, if your team has already won a championship in your lifetime, even if they are not very good for a number of decades, you, you still have that one memory to hold on to. Right. No, I just, why, why would you limit yourself to just the one cup? Because we haven't had one yet. Yeah. <laughs> Give me one. I, all I want is one. If it's, it's such a lack of confidence that they could win multiple. Is that, is that yeah. what's driving well, this? Definitely. <laughs> well, you take the guarantee, though. That's, that's the question, though, right? you take you got to take the guarantee. If it wasn't a guarantee, then okay, that's, that's the risk. But if you're guaranteed 100% without fail that one cup, whether it's this year, the next year, whatever, 
you got to take it. Flags a, fly in my opinion. It's a boat or a mystery box. And box, the box. Yeah. Falik is like, I got to take the box. You got to take if what that's about you, the thing, you got to take the win. I'll take the cup if you finish last place for the rest of your lifespan in the National Hockey League. I'll, I'll take that cup. Really? That's, that's... Yeah, well, like, I I am I was alive in 82, so I'm 53 years of futility, basically, with the Canucks with a few blips on the radar screen. So it's like, oh, of course, I'll take a cup rather than saying, well, I, I may never get one. Okay. So I'll take the cup. But uh, what I don't want is after the cup, though, to finish in last place forever because – uh, if you think people get carved now, uh, we're carved the Canucks now or over the years. You win one, you want another. And I always watch things like people who uh, pick the pick the sport, but you've already got five cups and the people are trembling in the stands. Am I going to win number six? And I'm always thinking that's a great fan. But you already got five, man. What's the what's the hook here? What's making you so nervous about this? Whether so, it's baseball or whatever, Canucks fans are so hungry and desperate for that one win. They're willing to just throw the next fifty oh, yeah. years <laughs> forever. Yeah. That's amazing to me. To yeah. get a win. A lot of people just, I just want to see them win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime. I don't think I'm going to see them win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime, just the way it's gone. But uh, And the number of teams they keep adding yeah, every yeah, other year. Well, you know, but you take, but then you should eat, you should, you used to feast on those teams that they added every year, but uh, not so much anymore, which is a good thing. The inbox, mostly agreeing with you guys, it looks like. Yeah. Oh, you so, take it. 650, yeah. 650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Paul and Coquitlam. Yes, what are you nuts, Surrey Ryan? <laughs> F yes. Um, the only one that has disagreed has been uh, Brandon in Vancouver. Absolutely not. That's loser mentality. Fifty years is as good as not winning ever. Look at Toronto. I didn't want to say loser mentality, but that's that's kind of what I was feeling there. That's a good way to put it. I, well, it's yeah. I don't know. Paul, when you've Cooper. lost for this many years, <laughs> just take it. Yeah, it I is a loser mentality. I just. But be- I think the Leafs one is a different example though, because it was before. The cup happened before many of the fans were alive. Mm-hmm. Like if they say the expansion, if really? the Leafs won and say I don't know ninety seven, let's say pretend for a second, it would be a much different argument, right? So I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, I think the Leafs one is a different example, just because it was so long ago. But if if the Leafs fans, the average Leafs fan, was alive, that that is alive today, had seen a cup in their lifetime, you probably wouldn't have the same. Well, thing. You know, that's a great hook right there to say if you were. A 20-year-old Leafs fan or a 10-year-old Leafs fan in 1967, and they win the cup. And someone someone said, Balak was alive back then and said, if you, we'll give you this cup here. You're going to win the cup this year in 67, but you will never win another one for the rest of ever. Would you take that cup? Now, the Leafs already had some cups, so it is a different hook. Mm -hmm. But that's interesting. Will you take this one in 67, but you'll never win again? you got to find a Leafs fan that was alive in 67 and see what they say. Well, my mom. She was seven. Well, if I already had a... Get her on the line. Call your mom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Call your mom. I have her number, actually. Yeah, that's our next guest, actually. Uh, I didn't know if you knew that. Brady Henderson can't make it. A lot of people in the inbox saying that I'll be dead in 50 years. So, yes, absolutely. uh, Maybe you can not answer this question if you're... Yeah. The Leafs hook that you had, if I already had five Stanley Cups or so or ten Stanley Cups in my hip pocket and you said, okay, if you win this year, you'll never win again, I'm not going to take this year because I already got ten. So yeah. that's 11 and then nothing. Yeah, it's all based on mm-hmm. what you've experienced yeah. as a fan, right? That That's all what this is around. This is a great one that someone dropped in on me. Uh, Paul and Coquitlam, uh, would you take one cup? The Canucks win the cup this year. Ballack gets his wish. The Canucks, because that's what this is all about. He wants the Canucks to win. He's, sure. He's a closet Canuck fan. <laughs> uh, would you take the cup this year if it means the Leafs won the next 10 in oh a row? God. And you had to put up with all the Toronto media and their fans and... 
By the way, I think the Canuck fans can be just as bad as Toronto by the time comes if you're starting to win some but cups. But the Canucks sort of. still get the cup? You get the cup yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I would no, still yeah. take it. No, I would no, still no, take no. it. Yeah, I'm not so sure I'd take it if I thought the Leafs were going to win 10 in uh, a row. And any scenario that involves the Leafs winning the cup? That's yeah. immediate. The uh, thing is, if I knew enough. they were going to win, I'd be like, you know what, Canucks out one. Wow. I'll just ignore the next 10. No, yeah, I think that way I'd turn my back on the one. I would just become a different I would choose a different sport to yeah. follow for be a Retire on top. Guy. I'm yeah. done with hockey. Canucks yeah. have won. This one yeah. from I'd a... Take a pickleball for <laughs> yeah. Pickleball. Snoop. Snoop the dog. Does management know so they can engage in a 51-year rebuild? Oh. I'll take the cup and put money down on the second cup in year 51. Yeah. That's true, too. If I can tell Canucks management, like, hey, you're going to win this year, but I made a deal, you're not going to win for 50 years. I'll take that cup. Yeah, I mean, you're in a 53-year rebuild right now, it feels like, anyway. But I would take the cup if I have, I'm eligible again after the half-century mark. I just love that other one, though. I'm sorry, back to Paul. But Canucks win. and Like, if the Leafs win one cup, oh, my goodness, it's going to be turn the TV off, stop listening to the talk shows, quit the jaw. Mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to that. What's going to be coming into Toronto? Oh my god! It's like the gosh, Simpsons they... monkey paw scenario. Oh, Lord, give me a Canucks cup, okay, but yeah. <laughs> but if they're going to win, that, so Paul could have said if the Le- if Canucks win this year, Leafs win next year. Though now I'm starting to think, do I really want to listen to that? I'd still take the Canuck cup, but ten in a row for the Leafs? No, I will five in a row for the Leafs. I would take the zero for sure on that one. You would not. You would say no cup, Canucks cup, if the Leafs had to win five. I the next so five. much. I want really? the Leafs to lose more than I want the Canucks to win. Really, that's a very Vancouver mindset. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see, know. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I would. I would be fine with pretty much any scenario as long as the Canucks win one. From a uh, personal standpoint, I would never hear the end of it from everyone that I grew up with. So I, I am so against the Leafs ever winning anything. Yeah, I, I fit in with the Vancouver market that way. At a certain point, though, after, like, let's say in this theoretical world where the Leafs win 10, you're just like, well, you know what? They've won three in a row. What's four? I don't know. And then what's what's 10? I turned my back on the sport by the time that happened anyway. But exactly. John in Camby Village, close by. Take the cup! Canucks fans lionize uh, Canuck losses. Of course we take one Stanley Cup win. Greg, obviously, you haven't lived here long enough, Greg. And you don't understand us, Greg. That's from John <laughs> in Canby Village. This is a well. That's a why I wanted question. to hear from the Canucks fans. I, I, did, I, I don't know. Yeah, I want. I was curious. Uh, this one: Would you accept never winning if it meant the Leafs also never win? No, well, we're kind of there. Oh man, I still want the cup. Yeah, I, I still don't do care too. about anything I, else. I don't care if they're happy. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Like yeah. I, I, they could win fifty in a row. I don't. I don't care. Just give the Canucks one. In my life. That's all I... Andy all Cole, I, I want the Leafs to win 50 cups yeah. in a you row. You heard it here first, folks. That's the quote. Yeah. I no, go no, back. but really, though, that's all it comes down to. I do not care about any other team and what happens to them, whether they win or not, even if it's the Leafs. As long as the Canucks get the one in my lifetime, I'm fine with that. Whatever else happens after that is gravy. Somebody in the inbox, in a heartbeat, I would take a Canucks win a cup. The Leafs can win the next 10. The cup then stays in Canada for 11 years. I like a Canadian team to win a cup. I like that. I just don't know if I want Toronto to be it. But uh, but back to Greg's original statement, Canucks only, and then 50 years of nothing? Yeah. Hello. I'll be long gone dust by then anyway. Who cares? But uh, we've been waiting 53. Just give me a cup. I hate. I don't like the bottom out though. If a team just sort of lucked out into a cup, like the '82 Canucks, if they'd somehow beaten the Islanders, which was never going to happen, but if they did, they were like a 500 hockey club who just kind of, through circumstance, weaved their way through. 
into the Stanley Cup final. If the Canucks had won in the next year, had 60 points, then I'd have a bag over my head going. The only thing that would, I know we got to go to break. I'm sorry, but the only thing that would kind of bother me, I guess, is if it was like a bubble scenario, like the, the COVID bubble. Like, if yeah. I was a Lightning fan, I'd be very annoyed that my two cups came in that sort of situation because it just doesn't feel real. Like, I know you win the cup and it's still cool and all, but the fact that it happened in that situation without fans, I guess the second one's different. But yeah, second at least one, I think. Second one's, the second one's fine. But the, yeah. with the first one, though, like, if it was that kind of scenario where you were playing in front of no fans and it was in a weird bubble situation, that would, that yeah. might sit funny with me, But outside, especially if that was your only cup. I didn't want a bubble cup. I don't even count the Canucks playoff run. I know. It, it doesn't feel real. It's the bubble. It it's feels the, Bubble like, Demko. All right, let's throw the, forever. all these teams into a bubble yeah, that so would have made the so playoffs. So I guess if their one win came in with an asterisk like that, it might bother me a little bit. Yeah, but outside of that one scenario, give me a cup. That was a good loss that year. That was a good playoff loss. Best I've ever felt after Canucks lost to the playoffs because I didn't want a bubble cup when it's like, okay, who were the top 16 or whatever, and we'll throw you all in a hat and we'll uh, put you in a bubble. And I mean, they played. But it was uh, there's a huge asterisk on that cup. Big time. Basically, wouldn't be wouldn't be the same. Wouldn't be the same. Prating the Stanley Cup around the ice to nobody. Hey everybody. Yeah. I'll take the zero. Anyway, coming up next, Brady Henderson, ESPN. We're going to talk some Seahawks and have him explain to me because I don't get it yet. Everyone else does, but I don't. I'm slow off the mark. What's with Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, and the Denver Broncos? That's next. Stay with us. We've reached the halfway point of the big show. No Halford, no Bruff this week. They're both back. The team, the A team is back next week. We got an A dog and a laddie, though, and a Josh Elliott Wolf, and I'm a Brook. This is Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Eight thirty-three on a Thursday morning, boy. Uh, driving out last night to the Giants game, rush hour traffic. There was that's the one thing that's great about this week. If you have to drive long distance, there's no traffic. Craig Ballack, same. Yeah, same I was trying day. to time out my my trip from Ladner. Yeah, and it was, it was a lot shorter than it usually it's is. Great. Though. I like Saturday and Sunday games for the Giants because there's no traffic, and I live in Vancouver, and that's uh, it's not a short drive out there. So, anyway. Welcome to your week. Hope you're enjoying, like most people are, a week off as we stare down 2024. We're staring down 2024. We are. brother. Right uh, around the corner. We got some uh, reads to get in here. This hour, Palford and Bruff, brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. I almost forgot this time. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit campbell-pound.com today. And uh, the Delari family of Acura dealers experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Is that it? That's it. That's, That's it. it. One only. Okay. Brady Henderson is with us. He is the one and only with ESPN out of Seattle. Talk about the Seahawks, Russell Wilson situation. Brady, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, you got it, guys. Happy New Year. How's it going? It's going swell. A lot of people with time off. Not not media, huh? People they don't know. We never no. stop. Well, we, yeah. I mean, I stopped for a bit in the in the off season, but we still got a ways to go before then. And uh, you know, with the Seahawks, it looks like it's going to be uh, an even longer wait for the off season. Certainly longer than it looked like it would have been a couple weeks ago when they were you know losing four straight games. But they've turned it around nicely, and right now they're they're on the uh, inside of the NFC playoff picture. How about those Seahawks? Back to back, last minute wins, two different quarterbacks. 
same scores, 20 to 17, eight and seven. How about them Seahawks? Yeah, I mean, they were, you know, when they lost four straight games, I mean, that was right in the thick of the toughest part of their schedule. And then the moment that that schedule came out in whatever that was, May, I mean, you looked at that stretch as potentially a defining stretch of their season. And, you know, they lost four straight games and they beat what, you know, was, you know, a really tough team uh, that was on the tail end of that stretch. And so it looked entirely possible that they were going to lose five straight games to fold a, uh, whatever that would have been six and eight, I think it was. And so it would have been. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've turned it around and I, I think it's interesting if you view, um, you know, it's easy to just focus on the Seahawks, but if you take a step back and look at the NFL as a whole, I mean, every team basically outside of Baltimore has had a rough patch and we've seen the 49ers go through it earlier in the year. Uh, with their three straight losses, and then they got hammered on Christmas night uh, by the Baltimore. Uh, you know, Philly went through its tough stretch. Um, Kansas City is going through one right now, and so I, I still don't think the Seahawks are, you know, built to make some sort of deep run in the playoffs, but I think looking at the NFL as a whole, it does give you some context on, you know, their four-game losing streak because pretty much every other team has gone through some similar struggles of their own. It does feel like every uh, team as well has some sort of flaw to them, um, especially in the NFC. Uh, and we saw the Seahawks beat the Eagles last week. Um, if they were to match up against one of these teams, let's keep it to the, the Niners and Eagles because I think the Lions might be the easy pick. If they were to match up against either the Niners or the Eagles, if they make the playoffs, uh, which do you think is the better matchup for them? Yeah, it's it's definitely Philly, and mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean we've seen uh, the see we we sort of have seen that movie before. Is what I'm trying to say with the 49ers. I think it's five straight wins uh, dating back to the start of last season, and all of them have been by at least eight points, and some of them by you know three scores. So I I think there's enough evidence, you know, even as the 49ers again have you know had their rough stretches of this season. I, I think there's just way too much evidence that points to the fact that they are a superior team uh, and that that is a tough matchup. And we've also seen the 49ers stick it to the Eagles in Philadelphia, uh, just like we've seen the Seahawks beat the Eagles in Seattle. So that would certainly be a tougher matchup for the Seahawks if it were to be in Philadelphia, which, you know, if they're meeting in in the first or second round or whatever that would be, that would be in Philadelphia because I think the Seahawks are uh, looking at, you know, the number six seed at best in the NFC uh, but I, I think no matter where that game would be played, that would still be a better matchup for the Seahawks than, than San Francisco, just with all of their weapons, with that offensive line, with that run game. Um, that's, that just has proven to be too much for the Seahawks to handle. Uh, zooming out a little bit, because since the Russell Wilson trade, which we'll get into a little bit more um, later, but since that trade, I, when it happened, I think a lot of people thought the Seahawks were going to take a step back. Obviously, didn't take as big of a step back as, as many people thought they would, um, and they seem to be developing rather quickly. Where in this in this build do you think they are in terms of like how many pieces or seasons away from being legit Super Bowl contenders? Because I think every year we can kind of consider them playoff threats, but being legit Super Bowl contenders, do you think they are? Well, that that is, I think, the at the crux of the question about, uh, you know, is Pete Carroll the right guy for the job? And look, I think if, if he makes the playoffs and if they win their final four games to finish the season at, 
10 and seven. And if they make the playoffs and if they're competitive, at least in the wild card round, I, I don't see the Seahawks moving on from him after this season, but I think there is a question of just where is the organization going just because, um, you know, if, unless it happens this year, and again, I don't think they are built to make some deep playoff run. I mean, that will be almost a decade of them being a good team, but never really a great team. And, and as we all know, you know, they have not gotten past the divisional round, meaning they have not gotten to the NFC championship game since the last time they played in the Super Bowl, which was after the 2014 season. And so, Look, a, a lot of NFL franchises would, in a heartbeat, trade whatever success they've had over the last 10 years uh, to what the Seahawks have done. And making the playoffs, I think, all but two years, uh, two seasons in that stretch, and, and perennially a team that is competing for a division title, never, you know, they haven't lost fewer than seven games in that stretch. That is, don't get me wrong, that that is something that a lot of teams wish they could say, but I think there is a question growing in Seattle of, okay, when are you going to finally take that next step? Um, you know, it looked like in 2020, they had a pretty good chance to do that. They were 12 and four, won the NFC West, had a home playoff game. Uh, and then they lost in the wild card round to a Rams team that I think they had just beaten a few weeks earlier. And so there is kind of this growing question of, of when is it going to happen now? On the bright side, you could say, okay, they've had two pretty good, strong drafts back to back, uh, a lot of you know that coming from the Russell Wilson trade and the bounty they got from that deal. Um, so, but you know, when is it going to happen? When are they finally going to put it all together and really be a team that not not just gets to the playoffs, but really makes some noise once they get there? And I don't know if if that's going to happen this season. I think if if their young core continues to progress the the way it looks like it has the opportunity to. Maybe that's next season, but then you've also got you know a pretty big quarterback question and a question of whether you've got the guy on your roster uh, to really take you deep into the playoffs. The secondary, well, basically the entire defense, I'll say, first of all, Brady, 17 points against last two games. If they keep being stingy, the Seahawks will be doing okay. But what's going on in the secondary? They seem to be shutting down the big plays now that they were giving up some big chunk plays earlier. They were, yeah. They they were among the worst defenses in the NFL at giving up those, you know, passing plays of at least 20 yards. Uh, that was over their first 13 games. And then in the last two games, they, they're the only team in the NFL who hasn't given up a single one of those. Um, so maybe you could, you know, it sounds like they have done something schematically. Now, Pete Carroll, as you would expect, uh, was not all that willing to divulge what exactly they've done, but they, they have made some schematic changes I think you could also look at the fact that Jamal Adams hasn't been out there and we all know uh, that his skill what he does best is not dropping into coverage and and trying to cover receivers or tight ends down the field it's, it's blitzing and being a factor in the run game and he obviously has not been there the last two weeks and so maybe there is something to that maybe there's a correlation there I think also guys have, have just played better Reed Wolin I think has you know maybe responded well to his you know, pseudo demotion uh, from a couple weeks ago where he was, you know, came off the bench and was splitting time with Mike Jackson at right cornerback. I think Julian Love has also played better. He was the NFC defensive player of the week for the two interceptions he had uh, in the Monday night Eagles game. And so I, I think it's a combination of, of all of that, but um, you know, it's been a huge difference in these last two games because that was definitely a weakness of their defense. And by the way, they've done it without probably their best defensive player, uh, in Devin Witherspoon has missed the most of the past three games with the hit pointer. Uh, it sounds like he's got a chance to come back this week. It's still too early to say whether or not he will be back uh, against the Steelers. But if he comes back, then adding on to what they've already done 
uh, you know, pass coverage wise the last few weeks, I think that would be a, a very big sign for Seattle. Isn't it strange though? Like you take Adams out and you take Witherspoon out and you think, Oh, oh and yet you change your schemes or you do something defensively that changes everything. You're actually giving up less points now. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, maybe you could say last week, some of that had to do with the fact that you know, you're facing a rookie quarterback uh, in Will Levis, but the week before that was, you know, an MVP caliber guy in Jalen hurts with, uh, you know, an MVP caliber receiver. He's not going to win it, but, um, you know, a, a big time wide receiver in AJ Brown, not to mention another uh, really fast guy opposite him and DeMonte Smith, plus a really good pass catching tight end. So, um, you know, it's one thing to do it against uh, Tennessee. It's another thing to do it against Philadelphia and all the weapons on that offense. And so I think they, they have already sort of validated what, what they're doing against a very good team. I uh, wanted to get into what's happening with Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Uh, first off, could you, so when this trade happened, could you have imagined a better scenario of things going well for Seattle since that trade? Uh, I, the only thing I could think of was that, you know, some of the pieces that they got, not the picks, but the players, mm-hmm. uh, if they would have made a bigger impact. I mean, Shelby Harris had a nice season uh, for them last year, but he's, you know, they cut him in a salary cap move and he's no longer there. Uh, they thought that Drew Locke was going to be their starter, or at least a lot of people in the building did, thought that he was going to be their starter when they acquired him. In fact, as I've written and maybe other people have as well, that was one of the main reasons why uh, John Schneider wanted to trade Russell Wilson to Denver. Like All else being equal, uh, he wanted that trade to go to Denver because Drew Locke was the quarterback he wanted in return. And so, um, you know, Locke hasn't necessarily uh, been what they thought he would be. And, and part of that, too, is that Geno has been a lot more than they thought he would be. Um, and But, you know, you did see Locke come off the bench uh, and lead them to that Monday night victory against the Eagles. But by and large, you know, Noah Fant has really been, of the three guys that they got in the trade, Noah Fant has really been the one consistently productive guy in terms of the veteran players. But it, it's really been more about, you know, the draft hall and Charles Cross, Boye Mafe, I think were the two guys they got from the 22 draft. Uh, and then this year, Devin Witherspoon. Um, and I think one of the two second round picks, either Derek Hall or Zach Charbonnet, I can't remember which of those guys, which of those picks was technically the one they got from uh, the Russell Wilson trade. But at any rate, yeah, I mean, it's been a huge boost to the, the young core of their defense, which again is, you know, probably the the biggest reason for optimism for this team going forward is, you know, the first and second and third year players that look like they have a chance to really take a next step. Uh, and for Russ in particular, it looks like the uh, Broncos are going to move on from him. What do you think he still has something left in the tank if he, if he finds the right situation out, out there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're seeing this year that, that he is, he is still a competent NFL quarterback. And if I, I think a lot of what you're seeing right now, the move that the Broncos are making, it's not necessarily because, they think that Jared Stidham is, you know, the better quarterback, the guy that gives them the better chance of winning right now. I think a lot of that is it's very economic based. And, you know, the fact that they are trying to, um, you know, basically preserve their financial flexibility, knowing that if Russell Wilson gets hurt over these final two games, and if he can't pass a physical at a certain point in the off season, then that would trigger a, a boatload of guaranteed money in his contract. And so, you know, they are doing this with an eye towards moving on and basically preserving their ability to do so without taking on adding more to the already, you know, insane amount of dead money that they would have to take by moving on from him. But 
I mean, look, the guy is playing better than a lot of NFL quarterbacks right now, and I think there are some teams where you know he would certainly be an upgrade if the price is right. Now he's obviously not going to get you know anything close to the kind of money that he is making in in Denver, but I think that look, it's not a very good free agent uh, quarterback class this off season, um, and he would be an upgrade for a lot of teams. Now there's some of those teams where you know I think they would still stick with the young guy. There's some teams that are kind of financially still obligated to their veteran guy. You know, Derek Carr, I think uh, New Orleans, he comes to mind. I don't know how easily the Raiders could get out of the Jimmy Garoppolo contract. So there's some teams that it may not work out well just financially. Um, But I could see a team like Atlanta uh, who, you know, spent I think a second-round pick on Desmond Ritter who really after two years doesn't really look like the guy. I could see a team like Pittsburgh who, you know, kind of same with Kenny Pickett, who, uh, you know, they spent a first-round pick on him. That would maybe be a little early to move on from a first-round pick, but um, he would probably be an upgrade over Kenny Pickett, who sounds like he he is healthy enough to play, but they're not playing him right now because they're going to go with Mason Rudolph instead. So that looks like another situation where Wilson could potentially be an upgrade. Um, I just don't know if there are a whole lot of situations where, you know, he's going to be able to have a ton of options in free agency and, and, you know, really get to name his price. I think he would, whatever team he signs with, I think that's probably going to be more on that team's terms than his. Does that just tie into, too, that Denver might just cut him? They save the money, you cut him, you don't look to move him? Uh, oh, yeah. No, I don't think any team yeah. is trading for him with that contract. I, I, I just think that is an untenable contract to try to trade. Yeah. Um, unless they were somehow willing to take on a good chunk of that contract. But I, I just think at this point, you know, the, the, the move that they're making, and, and we've seen other teams make this move. The Raiders did it with Derek Carr. I think the Colts did it with, um, with Matt Ryan a couple of years ago and maybe one other team where you see them once it's clear that they're out of playoff contention or that, you know, once it's known that that guy is no longer the guy, uh, you'll see teams that, um, you know, when a player has this kind of guaranteed money, money that's guaranteed for injury, you'll see them try to protect themselves late in the season by benching that guy, knowing that if he gets hurt, then that might right. lock that guy onto the roster, even though you might not really want him on the roster beyond that season. What's happened with him and Sean Payton? Any idea? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't followed the situation all that closely just because, you know, you got things to do. Yeah. Yeah, I've had plenty of quarterback uh, drama or, or uh, you know movement in Seattle uh, on my own, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's interesting that Peyton is probably the complete opposite uh, of Carroll, of Pete Carroll, in terms of his willingness to kind of you know publicly call a player out. You saw him chew Russell Wilson out on the sideline uh, a couple games ago, and, and just the way that he kind of talks about. Uh, Wilson, I think maybe his players in general in the media is, is way more straightforward and way more blunt um, compared to the way Pete Carroll does it, where you, you rarely hear Carroll call a player out by name, even when it's pretty clear, you know, which player screwed up. He'll, he'll say we, and, you know, he just won't, won't really go there publicly with, in terms of criticizing players. And so, um, yeah, I don't know what the relationship is like in Denver, but look, I do know that Sean Payton was not the coach there when they uh, traded for Russell Wilson. Um, and so, you know, he doesn't have the same uh, – the GM is the same, but Sean Payton doesn't have the same – he doesn't have kind of that, um, you know, built-in 
uh, incentive to try to make it work the way that, you know, somebody would if, if they were the guy who traded for him. I hear you. And before I let you go, just this, because you're in that locker room, you've probably known Russell Wilson for years. Is it a different Russell Wilson now? I keep hearing, like, for the first seven years, that it was a different Russell Wilson in Seattle than the last three, that maybe the prima donna thing came in or whatever. Was it a different guy? Did he change? You know, th- there was a lot about him that, was the same, I would say, for, you know, the majority of his career in Seattle where, you know, the puffery and the press conference where you'll ask him a question about one player and he'll spout off a bunch of cliches and, and really, you know, hype up every single guy. Um, there was, I think, some of, uh, you know, I, I think in with some people in the organization, it didn't always sit well, uh, the way that he wouldn't really take a lot of public accountability for mistakes and, and he would kind of um, you know, speaking generalities in that regard. And, and I think maybe he has done that in Denver. So maybe that is one way he's actually different. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of last season, especially there, I mean, there was a lot of mistakes on his part to, to where it was, I think maybe kind of harder to hide from that. Um, but I mean, I sort of have to play the fifth just because I have not been following him nearly as closely uh, the last couple of years in right. Denver as I obviously was in Seattle, but I would say it's probably a mixture of the two. There's some things, some areas where he's the same and, and maybe some where he's has kind of changed a little bit and the, and the circumstances of his situation uh, maybe have forced that. Well, maybe he comes back to Seattle. You never know, too. Maybe that'll happen. So let Russ cook back well, in Seattle. I mean, look, I, it was, it's hard to imagine just with the way it ended and with the way there are still, uh, at least in, on Seattle's side, there, there are definitely still some hard feelings yeah. over there and just some uh, – but you never know. I think there is a point where financially where you would have to consider it. I, I just don't see it happening. I hear all, you, though. man. That was tongue-in-cheek anyway from me to you. So uh, anyway, Well, who knows? I hear you. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate it, my friend. So nice of you to join us today. And you got the Seahawks hosting Pittsburgh this week, so no travel. Then at Arizona next week to close it out. Hope they're still breathing by the time they get into Arizona. Thank you, my friend. All right, you got it. Thanks, guys. Have Thank a good New you. Year. Brady Henders, and Happy New Year to you, too, as well. One of the way, things I thought Russell Wilson just changed the demeanor of Russell Wilson over the years. Like, he's so likable early in Seattle. And then in the last three or four years, I don't know if it was, um, you know, married to a singer and you got to go Hollywood a little bit more here, but it looked like he went Hollywood to me. He started to change. And yeah. one of the key things to me was just being an interview, he was asked about the, being the quality quarterback that he used to be, is he the same guy type thing? And he's still in Seattle at this point. And he literally said, I know I'm great. And I, at that point, went, wow, even if you are, you know, even if you know you are, you don't say to somebody, I know I'm great. You just say, I know I can still play quarterback and make things happen. There's just another Super Bowl. I know I'm great. And that was, I was off the, uh, I was off the Russell Wilson bandwagon at that point. He did get a bit high on his own supply. I would say, um, especially near the end in Seattle, and, and it kind of became the to uh, it, it became Brady Belichick light, where it was like, well, which guy is this? Carroll making all this happen, or is this Russell Wilson making all this happen? And um, I think it, it's kind of evident that it was Pete Carroll that was kind of the guy who was driving the bus, and obviously Russell Wilson in his prime was a a very competent quarterback. But yeah, it's just. Something about his attitude changed, and I, I I don't usually fault players for having confidence and being like, yeah, I'm that guy. I know I'm going to go out, and I'm going to be good, but um, you don't some, need to something, tell me about him, something about it did rub me the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, he went Hollywood. 
to my mind. He kind of went Hollywood, and it's not looked good on him, uh, frankly. And there are those within the organization, too, that I'm aware of that have said, yes, he did change in the here, and it was like I got my guys over here in this quarter and didn't seem like he's quite the team guy anymore. I have to have my people over here and, you know, not quite the red carpet, but uh, my own trainer, my own this, my own that, whatever. And I'm wondering, if is it Kiara? Is that the name of the singer? He's uh, Ciara? Ciara, okay. Ciara. Ciara, yeah. okay. That was really close. I call that a win in my mind. Uh, You're not doing the one-two step? Her influence on him, <laughs> you can see it sometimes. Suddenly I'm just dolled up, and I'm, boy, I'm out at all the Hollywood events, and I'm, uh, I've turned into a bit of a poser. So hopefully it doesn't reflect on your game in the National Football League. I think it has. Anyway, he can still play quarterback, but he's nowhere near what he used to be. Here's a guy coming up next who is, was, always will be what he is. One of the best in the league. Sat is going to join us. We've got some Canuck talk coming your way. Uh, Canucks tonight taking on the Flyers from Philadelphia. They will be here at Rogers Arena for a 7 o'clock game. We've got the pregame show. we got everything. We've got the postgame show tonight. Trying to get it live from the 5 on location. i got to ask Sat about that when we get him on. My quest to have the postgame show on location, sponsored by the 5, on location at the 5. Why wouldn't you? We'll ask Sat. He might have a reason or two. Stay with us. That is next. This is Sportsnet 650.